Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 1853 podcast of Monmouth College. I'm Dwayne Bonifer in the Monmouth College Office of Communications and Marketing, and this is the 1853 podcast, a weekly program in which we tell you about the people, events, programs, and history that make Monmouth an outstanding national liberal arts college. And we try to get that done in about 18 minutes and 53 seconds. In this 31st edition of the 1853 podcast of Monmouth's 2018-19 school year, we'll visit with some of the folks in Monmouth's Office of Residence Life. 1988 alum Dan Cotter will tell us about a book he's written about the 17 U.S. Supreme Court Chief Justices. And Sports Information Director Dan Nolan will bring us up to speed on what's happening in Fighting Scots Athletics. But before we get into this week's program, a reminder that we're less than two weeks away until Mama's 162nd commencement ceremony. It will be held on Sunday, May 12th, and the ceremony gets underway at high noon. There is more information about Commencement Week in 2019 on the Monmouth College website at monmouthcollege.edu slash commencement. And there's a story about the ceremony on the front page of the Monmouth College website. The Spring Awards Banquet season ramped up at Monmouth College on Tuesday, April 30, when the folks in the Residence Life Office held their annual celebration. John Salazar is Assistant Dean of Students and Director of Residence Life at Monmouth. In other words, he's the person who helps oversee the Monmouth students who live on campus. And because Monmouth is a residential liberal arts college, that encompasses nearly the entire student body. John says that essentially means that the entire Monmouth campus is a classroom for its students. Uh, a majority of our students live on campus, so they live with us. They are living and learning at the same time here on our campus. So uh, other larger institutions will have students that maybe live off, they'll commute, or a higher percentage will commute. And although we do have a few commuters that attend, primarily uh, a large majority of our uh, population lives on campus and is only a few steps away from their classes every single day. John also points out that the staff in Monmouth's Residence Life Program are teachers as much as they are advisors and confidants. In the residence halls, um, I think there's a great opportunity that RAs and HRs have with the residents um, because there's something special when you put people together that have different lived experiences and you put them together and there's a lot of learning that happens with someone that you didn't necessarily need to know or know about. Um, but when they're living with you, you find out who they are. And, you, and it stretches people. It can be difficult. There's a lot of things that uh, are maybe more softer skills that students work on. Um, yeah, that's, that's really what we're all about. We want to have that holistic student experience that when students graduate from Monmouth College, if we're going to prepare them to be global citizens, we need to have them um, at a point where they're able to have these conversations with people, uh, these dialogues of difference on a variety of subjects. And uh, one of those ways is we, we have those experiences in the residence halls, um, teaching them to have these. Chandler Claudet is a Monmouth student who's also in charge of Graham Residence Hall. He's been involved with residence life for all three of the years he's been at Monmouth. And he says his role as hall director includes a lot of responsibilities to help ensure that students have a good residential experience at Monmouth. Really 
how I look at it as I'm just responsible for making sure my staff is as confident as possible and when they deal with our residents day to day, not not merely just so like conduct wise, but making sure they feel as prepared as possible is when they talk to residents and make sure I check in on a resident every day, you know, uh, make sure the bathroom, like little maintenance thing issues and just the regular relationship between like, say you and I, say you're a resident, like just a regular relationship that everything is going well and smoothly. That's really my job. Uh, really, I just supervise them. Yeah, I'm taking a more more newer approach. Um, just talking. I'm, I talk to some of the residents a lot, like on my rounds and the lounges and just, yeah, just really being a main point of contact for that floor. That's usually how it goes. Chandler says he enjoys observing how students change during their time living in the residence halls and also develop their leadership skills. Uh, I would say my favorite part is that seeing the change throughout the year with the students. You meet a you meet a student on move-in day. He's real shy with his mama, you know, with his mama and daddy. Little Johnny, he doesn't want to talk to me. But by the end of the day or by the end of the week, he'll come out that shell. And then by the end of the year, he real happy to be here. He happy to keep come back the next year and just want to hang out. And that's how that's how I look at it. I, don't know, I just enjoy bonding with my staff. Um, I'm really good friends with them now. So I guess that process of seeing them go further and if they hopefully hopefully all of them eventually or even my residents like if i see people i think that would be great at this job the thing reason the reasons why i took the job from the get-go um that's probably my favorite part of it just seeing people grow really and chandler says that living in a residence hall is an essential part of the college experience uh, you you're under your own roof man that's all it's all about you want to get out your parents house um have your own rooms have something to claim that's yours um Unfortunately, you probably live in a community bathroom, so that's not really yours. It's your floors. So, I mean, there's that aspect. But, I mean, for the most part, you got something that's yours. You can lay, you can lay claim to something, and it's a, first, it's a real good first step to uh, going out to adulthood in your life. That's Chandler Claude. He's the hall director of Graham Hall at Monmouth. You also heard from John Salazar. He's the assistant dean of students and director of residence life at the college. You can read more about Monmouth's Residence Life program by going to monmouthcollege.edu slash life. You're listening to the 1853 podcast of Monmouth College, and I'm Dwayne Bonifer in the Monmouth College Office of Communications and Marketing. Dan Cotter is a 1988 Monmouth graduate. He's a well-known lawyer in the Chicago area. He serves on the Monmouth College Board of Trustees and he's also an accomplished author. Dan is the author of the book, The Chief Justices, Our Nation's History, through the center seat on the Supreme Court. In fact, he's given a signed copy of the book, which was just published, to each member of the class of 2019, which includes his son, John. In fact, his son, John, helped him as an editor of the book. Dan was on campus last week to discuss his book, as well as visit with some of his former professors, and Dan says he got the idea to write the book while studying in law school. So this idea is something that started in law school. Uh, when we would be introduced to cases and subject matters, we never learned about the times or culture or the justices or judges that decided the cases or what the culture of the country was at at that time. And so that really inspired me to dig deeper and use my intellectual curiosity I got at Monmouth College to uh, go above and beyond. Dan says that his research shed a lot of light on the nation's highest court. You know, I learned a lot in, in the process of researching and reviewing this book. Uh, one is, I think, just the amount of money and dark money that's been involved in the last three nomination processes. I kind of knew that, but seeing that, I think the other thing I really learned 
is the ebbs and flows of the court and that there's only been a few times in our history where the court has really been uh, ahead of its time or uh, guiding our future. His research also showed how the role of the Chief Justice has changed over time. It's evolved in a lot of ways, uh, but it still has the same basic duties. There's really no defined functions that distinguish the Chief Justice from any other justice. I would say that the biggest evolution was during John Marshall's time and the way that he kind of guided the court to unanimous opinions, to a single opinion instead of seriatim opinions, which was everybody wrote for their own opinion, and just the consensus building that he did. And then it kind of went away for a while, and then Earl Warren did it a little bit in his tenure. In examining the lives of the 17 men who served as Chief Justice of the Supreme Court, Dan said it became apparent which qualities make the difference between a good one and a great one. What really distinguishes the great chief justices, in my view, is, is a couple things. One is being able to politic, uh, with a K, in terms of being able to, by force of will, by force of nature, by force of intellect, see where the country's at and kind of guide it and shepherd it so that it comes to a consistent uh, view. Uh, John Marshall is a great example of that again. And part of that was caused because they used to live together. He had a great uh, collection of Madeira wines that he would share with his uh, fellow justices. Uh, but that's one of them. And then having kind of a, an ability to listen and learn and be able to move positions instead of being hard right, hard left, and being more of a centrist kind of swing type of mind. Although there have been twice as many U.S. presidents than there have Supreme Court chief justices, most Americans are unaware of the individuals who've led the high court. And Dan has some reasons as to why that's the case. You know, the, the Supreme Court uh, and the judiciary in general, even though it's a co-equal branch of our government under the Constitution and under state constitutions as well, it's one of those that's not been accessible to the public uh, for a variety of reasons. Uh, most people just aren't paying attention. And so they're more obscure. And up until recently, they really led more of a sheltered existence. They weren't as out in public as, as they are today. And so for that reason, people just don't really pay attention to who the Chief Justice or any of the justices are. Dan says it was especially special to work alongside his son while researching and writing the book. My son John, who's graduating on May 12th from Monmouth College and a proud legacy of ours, uh, was the main editor that I had personally on, on my side. And he did a, a great uh, amount of work and, and was great in terms of editing, suggesting edits, suggesting things that did not make sense from his perspective. And at one point, there's a footnote about him because he uh, had the observation that between Chief Justice Marshall, who finished in 1835, and Chief Justice Warren, who started in 1954, that the court was just kind of status quo and there wasn't a lot going on. So he was very effective, and I thank him. And you know, being able to work with your kid on anything in terms of uh, enjoyment and something you like and, and teaching them and, and having questions from them is, is really a thrill. It's probably the most satisfying part of the uh, process of writing this book for me. Dean's four years as a Monmouth College student also shaped the way he approached this book. So Monmouth was uh, really a magical place for me. It was really transformative for me in terms of confidence, in terms of writing, in terms of thinking. What it really did is uh, instilled a couple of things. One was being a lifelong learner, and second is having an intellectual curiosity. I talk about that in the preface. And the reality is, is that we talk about it often with other board members and other people that have gone to Monmouth, that it is magical, and it's a place where 
that intellectual curiosity just keeps you driving to learn more. Uh, what we learned here at Monmouth was nev not necessarily the answer to a question, but how to get to that answer through research and, and thinking. That's 1988 Monmouth alumnus Dan Cotter. He's the author of the recently published book, The Chief Justices, Our Nation's History Through the Center Seat on the Supreme Court. And you can find it for sale on Amazon.com, and you'll enjoy it very much. Before we head into this week's sports segment, a reminder of the many ways in which you can follow Monmouth College in the social media spectrum. The college's main Facebook page is facebook.com slash monmouthcollege. The college's main Twitter account is at Monmouth, and you can follow all of Monmouth College Athletics on Twitter at MCFightingScots. The college is on Instagram at Monmouth College, and if you're on Snapchat, be sure to follow Monmouth on Snapchat at ThisIsMonmouth, and to celebrate the arrival of May, you can check out Monmouth College recommendations on Spotify. Heading into the final weekend of the regular season, the Monmouth baseball team sits atop the South Division of the Midwest Conference. Allen Baterney's Fighting Scots have four games remaining, and all of them are against Grinnell College. The first two will be played Saturday at Grinnell, followed by a doubleheader on Sunday at Glasgow Field. Both doubleheaders are scheduled to start at noon. And you can keep up with all four games on MonmouthScots.com. That's your official place on the World Wide Web for all things Fighting Scots related. Joining us to discuss baseball situation as well as other Monmouth Spring sports is Sports Information Director Dan Nolan. He's the man behind MonmouthScots.com. The Monmouth baseball team is 20-11 and 11 overall and 8-4 and four in their conference. Dan says that while there are lots of possibilities to qualify for the two-team Midwest Conference Championship, Monmouth has a pretty direct path. Baseball, the, the simple math is we win three games this weekend, we're in, uh, we're division champs, and we're hosting again. Uh, that's the simple math. Uh, we play uh, Grinnell in, in four games, uh, two over there on Saturday and two here on Sunday. Uh, but uh, Illinois College, Grinnell, and Cornell are all tied uh, right behind us so it's really a jumbled mess as to who's going to get in at this point the only thing we know for sure is Knox got knocked out the other day uh, in the north it's about the same way there are four teams still in it so uh, really don't even start uh, breaking out your slide rules until sometime Sunday because it's it's that tight and uh, sometimes that's a kiss of death when, when you look at it that way but uh, really it's, it's the simple math that coach Paterney has gone with all year long you win three out of four and you get in the tournament and you're probably the division champion, and, and that's uh, still what they're looking at. Uh, you know, we go into the weekend with eight wins. We need to get to number 11, and, and we're in. Uh, Ten, we're probably in, but we don't know for sure because there could be a three-way tie, and then you get into the tiebreakers, which is head-to-head -head and, and uh, winning percentage, and it, it really gets to be a, 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 a nightmare, really, trying to figure that out. So the simple math is let's just win three, preferably the first three. And Dan says that Mammoth has demonstrated that it can play with some of the best teams in the nation this year. Hey, the, the guys went down to uh, St. Louis uh, on Sunday against Washington University, and it was uh, really kudos to, to Wash U and uh, Coach Paterni. Uh, we got our entire weekend wiped out with rain and rescheduling and needed a game. And, and if we don't play a game, you know, we're going a, a 
full week uh, without playing. And that's not good when you're going into a conference weekend that uh, it's crucial to win. And uh, Washington University's coach got wind that we needed a game, uh, called and said, hey, you want to come down here for two? And Coach Paterni says, yeah, we do, and uh, went down there and faced the number five team in the nation and uh, lost the first one two to, two to one. A uh, really hard luck loss for Tyler McDonald. He had a one hitter going into the ninth and had sat down 24 straight batters. Uh, gave up a couple of uh, uh, dribbling infield hits and then an error, and and we lose that one two to one. But then in the late game, uh, down four nothing, and that one came back, made it four to two. Couldn't quite get over the hump, but uh, we showed that we can uh, compete with the best in the nation, and uh, you know we're playing uh, pretty good ball right now. So really anxious for this weekend, really excited about it. The mom, the softball team, made a gallant effort, but they just missed qualifying for the postseason when their regular season came to an end last weekend. Yeah, softball got knocked out in the final uh, day of their season uh, going into uh, last week. Uh, we had six conference games and probably needed to win uh, two or three of those and, and didn't quite get it done. Uh, came down to Lake Forest on Sunday and, and needed to win those two and then get a little bit of help on Monday. And unfortunately, we just uh, didn't have enough uh, gas in the tank. But what a great year for the for the women. And Coach Goddard's made the uh, comment that, you know, even though the win-loss record was, was not where they wanted it to be, this was probably one of his most enjoyable teams to be around. They are always positive, always pulling together, and, and uh, he's really uh, excited about next year. He just loses two seniors but has everybody else back. And, and really we've talked many times that uh, you, know, you want to be around uh, student-athletes that you enjoy being around, and, and that's the case with this group. The men's golf team is also playing this weekend, and it will be the final time the Fighting Scots will compete in the Midwest Conference. Next year, they will compete in the St. Louis Intercollegiate Athletic Conference. Uh, golf has a big weekend. Uh, we're hosting the uh, final Midwest Conference uh, tournament for the men, and that's up at Aldine uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. We're the host school for that. Uh, the guys are going into that uh, with really uh, should be very relaxed, uh, uh, not considered the favorites, so they can just play uh, play golf and have fun and, and let the chips fall where they may. And, you know, we have the potential to, to really compete, finish in the top two or three uh, possibly. And we've got a couple of guys, Sam Gillen and Nate Monroe, that uh, they've got got an in them to uh, make all conference if not challenge for medalist honors so really excited about that it's it's kind of bittersweet it is the last midwest conference uh, championships uh, as uh, they'll be dropping golf uh, after the uh, the tournament this year uh, the good news is we're moving to the SLIAC conference for golf so uh, excited about that for next year it's it's a big uh, very powerful uh, golf conference so we're excited to be uh, joining up uh, forces there and, and our schedules really won't change uh, we'll still be playing pretty much the same uh, tournaments as we always do. It's just the year-end tournament, the conference tournament uh, will be different, and that rotates among the schools. So eventually we'll be hosting at Gibson Woods. Uh, and, and the big thing that's really exciting is uh, we get back into a conference, a golf conference that has an automatic qualifier berth for the NCAA tournament. And that was uh, something that uh, the Midwest Conference couldn't offer uh, as uh, we didn't have quite enough conference schools that offered golf to uh, uh, make the automatic qualifier list. That's Mammoth Sports Information Director Dan Nolan, the man behind MammothScots.com. And don't forget that you can follow all Mammoth teams on Twitter at MCFightingScots. And that's going to be a 30 for this 31st edition of Mammoth College's 1853 podcast of the 2018-19 school year. 
I hope you enjoyed this program. Tell us what you think by firing off an email to us at news at monmouthcollege.edu. Be sure to put podcast in the subject line. Until our next edition, this is Dwayne Bonifer in the Monmouth College Office of Communications and Marketing. Thanks so much for listening. So long, everybody. Have a nice day, and I hope you have a winner in the Kentucky Derby.